Good morning or afternoon or evening whenever you're listening to this. I just want to ground us for a minute in stability. Just taking a breath with steadiness wherever you are. Weaving stability into simplicity. So in this moment, is there anything that could be a bit more simple, a bit more stable? And then weaving into a surrender. Is there anything that needs to be surrendered in this moment? A wanting, a releasing, a surrender. And and then just finding a few moments of stillness. Moving from stability, simplicity, surrender to stillness. And from this stillness, just an intention of listening, deep listening. This is a closing, a wrap up of 2021. I like to do these episodes at the end of the year after I've reviewed um, personally, professionally, publicly, right? All of the things that may have happened and occurred over this past year. And um, I'm gonna start with, we did, I did 36 podcast episodes and probably about 40 YouTube episodes because I added a few that I didn't add to the podcast. For example, the Ayurvedic women's workshop and a few others um, because there were some visuals involved and so they are not here. Um, And I'm proud of that body of work that I can continue to share and that hopefully will continue to be of use in the world. So I'm starting with that. I'm really proud of that. I'm in the process of um, cleaning and clearing up some of the blog posts from the past and um, re-sharing them over this year. So that's one of the things to come is kind of a return to writing. Um, 
it's been an interesting dance using podcasting and YouTube to teach and share and kind of what that takes from writing. And so there's this dance of communication that is a theme in my life that creativity and creating is absolutely necessary for my mental health and stability and that I can use different mediums. I've also been doing, you can kind of see over here, a bunch of um, visual arts. I've been creating collage and that's been really incredible. Just for my own stability, surrender, stillness, simplicity, just using art materials to work with uh, motions and themes. So both of these pieces that I made recently are um, themes that emerge from one of the books that we read this year, The Inner Mother, Discovering the Inner Mother by Bethany Webster. And this book was and continues to be extremely transformative to a lot of parts of my life. And um, I really wanted to make art to symbolize some of the themes, dialoguing with the inner child and also the idea of being too much and too emotional, too sensitive, too big, too loud, too emotionally big, but then also physically big, um, too hairy. That was another one that I was a lot growing up. I had a lot of hair on my arms. <laughs> um, and so I'm working with this like loving the too muchness or meeting her where she is and seeing what she might need now. Um, and so that's been a really beautiful process. I am officially halfway done with alchemical alignment, trauma resolution and embodiment of spirit, professional training and feeling so much gratitude for finding Bridget, the founder of alchemical alignment and through Rachel Maddox and um, the profound internal and external shifts that are happening with this recalibration of something that I feel very deeply called to um, be doing in the world, which is big T and little t trauma resolution. And what I mean by that is things that are very, very painful, big T that may still be stuck in the nervous system and then small t like daily life wounds repair, uh, you know, things that may not seem so big and horrible, let's say, but are still imprinted in our body, are still playing out in our body. And one of the phrases I'm thinking about a lot for the village next year is responsibility as the ability to respond. And so thinking about that in terms of the context of trauma is what is our responsibility um, in our lives and in our relationships? Are we, do we have the ability to respond? And if not, if there's freeze, if there's anger, if there's fear, how do we start to very gently and tenderly work with that? So alchemical alignment is um, a really beautiful path of that. I'm really grateful. I'm also about to be halfway, well, in the spring, I'll be halfway done with Kohenet and being rooted in my own lineage of priestess, priestessing, 
is uh, <laughs> so life affirming. I, I can't even, there's no words. So those are some of the things I'm kind of landing in today. Looking towards next year in the village, our community, we're going to be weaving in the work that reconnects Joanna Macy's maps and spirals on spiritual ecology and deepening into our emotional field with spiritual ecology, with sacred activism, with spirals. Um, and the other big focus for next year for the village is going to be on adult development and initiations. And so we're going to take the whole year to go through a whole cycle, maiden, mother, uh, matriarch, crone, and learn about each of the stages in terms of archetypes and in terms of initiations with the intention that next December 2022, we have a formal initiation for the village together, a ritual, a um, uh yeah, a ceremony, really. Um, because one of the things that's been really clear over the past few years is that many of us get stuck in these certain lanes or zones of development. And um, we don't have a lot of communal or societal initiations and rituals and um intentional moving through stages. And so we're going to kind of do some of that cleanup this year, which I'm really excited for. It's going to be really fun. One of the biggest themes of last year is for me was about regeneration and extraction. And it started kind of layering last winter. I did a retreat on Joanna Macy's work. Um, and realized how many different versions of extraction I had going on in relationship, um, not on purpose, all subconsciously, all tied to my Enneagram type, all tied to my trauma patterns, all tied to um, uh, mother wound patterns. So unhooking and examining all of those different areas helped me see that many of my relationships at that point, um, professionally and personally were extractive, meaning, um, that I was definitely giving more, there was more being pulled out of me than was being put back into me. And, and part of that was my armor, not really being able to receive fully, um, receive other humans, receive care, and really deeply like receiving has not been a safe pattern in the past for me. Um, also the instruction, I am re recording a workshop on soul past lives, um, soul missions, soul wounds, soul challenges, all based on the instruction. And this book also really helped me start to name and identify some of those patterns. Um, so I want to share it with you all. But the, the reason I'm saying this is like how interconnected and weaved some of those patterns were showing up. And so the more that I was learning about extraction, the more I was learning about regeneration beyond sustainability, right? It's not just things that are sustainable. That's, that's not necessarily life affirming. It's about regenerative relationships, like reciprocity, um, 
there being this energetic exchange that feels really in, in balance. And it doesn't need to be in this moment. It can be over a year, over a few months, but it can't always be extracting from the human. Um, I don't want to be in those kind of relationships, not with work, not with friends, not with family. So, um, that has been a beautiful unraveling and, and really creative process. Like how can I be, um, in this role of sharing all these things I love to share and, and teaching and leading and guiding in a way that also fills me up, not just financially that I think typically like when you do this kind of thing for work is, is the first one to be checked off. But I mean, just like deeply regenerative in terms of our nourishment, in terms of our relationship. And so I made a bunch of changes in the sort of behind the scenes business model for that. And boy, has it made a difference. I just feel delighted. Um, and I, and I've always loved this work, but there's a difference when, the community is also engaged in that regeneration and showing up um, in, in a different way. And so I made some of those choices, removing over 300 people from our free group um, and made it a paid group, um, $33 a month. And that has just felt really, really yummy and delicious to know that there's a commitment um, from those who are in the community around this work, that this work is valued um, and that hopefully $33 is not um, excluding anyone who wants to be part of the community and support this work. Um, and also just noticing like I deserve that reciprocity and that's felt really good. Um, also in terms of AU and sort of university teaching is really inherently extractive based on the finances, based on the hours, based on the expectations. Education and teaching in general tends to be extremely extractive. And so one of the things I'm really excited about for next year is kind of flushing out this hypothesis I have around what could a regenerative education model look like and practicing and putting some of that into play next year. I'm going to go back for one class and play with some of these theories and ideas of facilitation and frameworks and strategies. Really, if we place some of the uh, frameworks that we have in anti-racist dismantling white supremacy practices into the classroom, will it inherently be more regenerative? That's kind of my question. I'm not sure about. Um, and so to be continued on that. And if anyone wants to talk more about that, just reach out to me because I absolutely love talking about it. Um, and uh, I'm super excited about being able to try some of these uh, practices out and seeing how it really lands with students during such a stressful time. I would say that one of the other main themes was really deepening authentic relationships, really investing in relationship to self, to spirit, to ancestors and beyond to the human world and more than human world. And what a gift that has been to deepen relationships and find myself right size in relationship, right size in relationship to the ongoing justice work um, 
at the beginning of the Jewish calendar in September 5782, it is a Shemitah year, which is a uh, release year, a sabbatical year, a year of Shabbat, um, where you're to rebalance and reclaim rhythms and restore um, uh, finances and the land and really intentionally spend this time resting and releasing for the next six-year cycle. And so one of the things I did as I was getting ready for Shemitah was make some commitments, um, leaving groups that, that were um, not intentionally focused on justice work, racial justice work, and, um, and rights work, and then really just spending learning time in communities where that was a focus, where that was being brought up regularly. And so I've been taking a bunch of um, really beautiful anti-oppressive um, using some spiritual technology from Judaism into anti-oppressive work. And one of the terms that has come up regularly is about being right size and having humility. And so being able to thread that into learning conversations, um, this incredible trip to Alabama that I just took in December with legacy trips. I highly, highly recommend that everybody go. Um, I'd love to have a Lola trip, a village trip to Alabama. Um, but really what is right size for us? How can we find right size? What does that feel like? Um, and what does that mean in different situations and scenarios? And so I've been using that in my um, personal relationships and then also in larger community work. One of the things that we, we work with a lot in alchemical alignment is regulation, obviously nervous system regulation. And the way that um, the teacher Bridget talks about it is in terms of PEMSER, which I've been talking about here a little bit, because I think it's a great, PEMSER is just a great acronym for you to remember all the areas of your life and how you might be doing in them. So it's physical, emotional, mental, social, energetic, and relational. That's PEMSER. And so you know, if you're doing kind of your scan for the year, thinking about physically how regulated or dysregulated, you know, where are you kind of in the physical map, in the physical plane? How's your body feeling? Emotional, um, where, what are the fluctuations or the waves or the tides there? Mental, are you mentally stimulated? Are you able to find creativity and problem solving? Those are the two like creativity and problem solving for me, um, being in relationship with them help, um, are really helpful for me to see that like my mental state is good because I know that we can only access problem solving and creativity when um, certain areas of our brain are activated and not in a dysregulated or fear-based state. And so checking in with those for me as my pillars or paths has been really helpful social, um, you know, this, what is our social like, life like, and do we need to be reaching out more or do we need more um, expansion or more contraction? Energetic, how does our energetic body feel? Like for me, that's how turned on is my intuition. How do I feel about deep listening? Am I being able to hear messages from spirit? 
and relational, what's happening in the relational field. I find that to be really difficult, um, kind of always has been. And um, I have this simultaneous love for humans and pattern of like difficulty in relationship slash like losing some, gaining some, like it's just an area for me that I really always need to, I always want to um, examine because that's really where my work is so often in the relational field. I think all of us actually, it's like once you kind of move through um, a bunch of the other levels, um, relational becomes a big focus. We're gonna do some relationship and relational work in the village this year with a monthly circle. Um, another area that has become really helpful this year is tarot. And so I've been doing a lot of tarot study of the ancient, the first deck, the Rider Waite deck and its relationship to Kabbalah and its relationship to um, mystical wisdom. And it's just endlessly fascinating to me how many symbols and signs are in there. Also just historically, um, when a lot of the decks uh, were created as card games in Spain, um, how many, it wasn't okay really to be Jewish at that time. And so a lot of people converted and there's some just kind of controversy and questions around like, were the people who converted um, creators of tarot hiding Judaism, regardless about being Jewish or not, I just find this fascinating that um, we have all these, you know, interconnections and connections and historical spiritual wisdom that sometimes we were not allowed to, it was not okay in the society to be named or called in a certain group. And so we assimilated and then we created other things that are still today so relevant. Another example of that is kind of thinking like the term witch um, for some people really brings up a lot of trauma and pain. And yet there are so many witchy and earth-based practices, herbs, plants, oils, cooking, gardening, so many things that are could be considered quote unquote witchy and are very, very healing. And I think we're on the precipice or I already feel it because we've got all these Washington Post articles about witches and tarot um, that have been coming up that these, these practices are so essential for mental health um, that moving beyond the technological advances and, and really feeling into kind of moon rituals and tree rituals and bathing rituals, sacred water, um, sacred fire. I have a candle here that I lit right before I started recording um, and really honoring the elements and elemental healing um, is something humans have done for all of time. There's so much I could say here about kind of patriarchy and female wisdom and earth-based wisdom. Um, I don't mean female, I mean divine feminine, like the feminine practices of sacred kitchen, sacred bathing, sacred living, um, and how so much of that power was pulled and then labeled. And then we've get this like, Ooh, I don't, I don't know what a witch is. And the way I define it is woman in total coherence with herself and coherence is like this. All the chakras are aligned. The heart's aligned. It's like heart brain coherence. The belly's relaxed. And sort of life is like flowing through you, right? To me and through me, like whew, into your hands. It's almost like 
I don't know, just a, a presence of the sacredness of life is coherence. That's how I think about it and define it and live it. And so um, I think what tarot is doing is helping me just see archetypally how we have a lot of these really beautiful traditions that can be really helpful and in just interesting mentally um, as we're kind of growing wisdom capacity and, um, and just feeling into like the historical connections of why certain things have been cast aside or thrown away and like, how do we kind of bring them back into our daily life? Um, this year in the village, we had a really beautiful uh, Ayurvedic immersion this fall that just went on and on. It was so awesome. We did the mother wound book, um, discovering the inner mother. We led, I led a three month emerge program, um, where we met every week and talked about kind of like how we were emerging in the world. Um, and I think, um, yeah, just looking back at this year, it was really deep and meaningful. And I'm really proud of the, um, the community that we've created. We had the Asheville retreat, which was like so delightful. Um, I had sailors bat mitzvah in May, which was such an honor. I can't even um, begin to say how special that was. And shortly after that, Sailor and I went to Tahoe um, to do some business planning with a friend. And that was our first trip um, after, well, during COVID really. Um, but I'm just kind of, again, like dropping pins on these moments of this last year that really um, brought me to this moment. And, and some of these new trips and travel actually, um, while it wasn't a lot, was very meaningful, very meaningful for integration, very meaningful because of this kind of liminal space of like being home so much, being grounded, having so much routine with sleep and with um, my spiritual practice, and then having these external experiences of travel where I could go out and integrate flexibility and acceptance and response and see with new eyes and just kind of feel that awe and wonder. And the awe and wonder came up in this. We did a little West Virginia trip that was really beautiful. Um, we went to Salem and Maine um, and being in Salem with my family was really special and being in Maine was really special. Um, and then Asheville and Alabama. Um, this summer in July, I, um, I just want to touch on this because I, I think it's, I think it's an important thing to share. I was going to be home for, um, about six weeks straight, maybe even longer. And, um, knew that before I went into alchemical alignment, trauma, professional trauma training, that there were some things I needed to clear out of my system that were still sitting in the system. And so I reached out to a very skilled um, trauma resolution, um, uh, somatic experiencing counselor and spent about four weeks of intense um, trauma healing work with them. And I just want to say that 
it was, I had to really clear out space for it. So I scheduled these appointments for each week. Um, and then on that day that I had the appointment, I cleared the schedule. So I didn't have anything so that I could really have some solid care before the session. And I scheduled the session in the middle of the day when the kids were at camp. And then at the end, like after before camp pickup would have more integration time. And so one of the things that we're kind of grounding in a lot is this idea of five point threshold, like that everything has this preparation, um, not everything, but if, if we can see <laughs> points along the way that there's a preparation, a beginning, a middle and end and an integration, preparation, beginning, middle and integration. And that that's a complete cycle and that that knowing about complete cycles and working with them is really helpful for our nervous system. So um, preparation was planning who I'm going to work with and um, carving out the time, like making sure that I didn't have things happening before or after so that I could be present with the healing sessions and seeing that I was going to be home for that amount of weeks because I didn't want to dysregulate out of that time. So that was the prep beginning was starting the sessions. Middle was the sessions. And then we had a clear close before, I think we had a trip in August. I can't remember what there was. There was a clear close date um, where a new cycle was going to begin. Um, I actually think it was the new moon of Elul. Um, but there was a clear end. And now the past six months, I've really been in the integration stage of that work that I did in July. So I'm just um, marking on a calendar for you all, like how this process can sometimes work if you're working with some stuff that's really painful or really buried. Um, and now I actually feel like I'm ready to talk about it, write about it. Um, I'm feeling this, like I'm getting kind of in my journaling a little bit more edgy around the sharing because I notice that it's processing. And because I do feel like I'm a storyteller and I believe in telling transparent, truthful stories, um, this feels like part of the story that needs to come out. I don't know if it'll be in like a future book or in blogs or what, but I'm feeling this urge to share more. Um, as a healing, as a facilitation tool, not from a wounded place, but from a healing place. Mm. And so that was a big thing of this year was really marking that in July. And now noticing by December, I started, I've been talking about things more and being more open about some of that stuff that was revealed. So that's really a big deal for this past year. All right. So to close there's a few a few phrases for next year, sacred activism. Um, I mapped it out. I love the map for sacred activism that I drew um, kind of the Venn diagram of like how sacred is an anchor in my life and how activism is an anchor in my life and how together in the middle they meet with daily life. Um, I made some pillars for that. Um, and then some action items, some money items, some emotional items, like where and what will that actually look like? So always happy to share that. Just reach out if you want to see that map um, or make your own and share it with me with your words. 
Um, but one of the things that really came out of Alabama was this idea of joyful generosity and looking for assets and really celebrating the progress that we've made, um, the micro progresses that we've made in lots of different ways, not only in um, Black joy celebration and Black evolution, but also um, where maybe in some of the other groups I'm in, especially in, in Judaism, where we're not uh, we're not really in a celebratory space or a joyful space. It often feels like deficits and never enoughness. So I'm really aware of that and working on a Shabbat guide for Jews and non-Jews for everybody. Cause I believe Shabbat is such a essential, essential mental health practice. Um, and also thinking about joyful generosity as, um, a way of living, breathing and sharing, everything in life, money, stories, um, hugs, right? Physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, relational. Um, and yeah, I think just continuing the sacred sabbatical of Shemitah, you know, I think it's an internal practice, not an external practice. Like, I think if you looked at my life from the outside, you would maybe not see a big difference from 5781 to 5782. But internally, there's this repetitive kind of rebalance, restore, reclaim, release, like this mantra that is playing out. And I'm aware of it. I'm reusing things, letting go of things, not buying books as, as I've shared a million times, because it's a really interesting practice for me to have. Um, and just continuing on this investigation of really what a sacred sabbatical, what Shemitah, the year of release, um, could look like and what seeds are being planted for the future. Um, that's a big part of this year's invitation is to dream into the future that you want to have, that you long for, and that you take the time this year to plant the seeds so that in the future, these things are growing. And so I'm really taking that to heart um, in my own work and in my own um, meditation. And so with that, that was the year so big and beautiful. I want to hear about your year, your life. Um, I've shared unravel your year with our community. Susanna oh, Conway is her last name does a book every year. Um, like a workbook. That's really, really helpful. But I want to close with, I actually pulled a card for us as a community. Um, I asked um, the guides to just show me what, um, what would be helpful for us as a community as we close this year and move towards next year. And I'm using the wild Kuan Yin Oracle. And I got card number 36, pray to the East guardian watches over the West. And so before I read the, um, the invitation for pray to the East garden watches guardian, excuse me, watches over the West, come back into your stability, your steadiness, your simplicity, your surrender and your stillness. I now see the ending and the beginning. I watch and defend from past interference whilst I invite beautiful new worlds to form through my prayers, 
birthing them through my heart and the silent unwavering light of my mind. Soon you shall be ready to make the crossing, to acknowledge the ending of this day and the dawn of the new day that I have begun to create for you. Do not be afraid of any ending now. All has been divinely ordained and all things happen so that my love can prevail. Endings allow for fresh starts. Focus on letting go now and being firm in your decision. Have courage. Trust yourself. You can love even more in the letting go than you did in the holding on. Be patient and accept where you are now in the process of endings. All will happen soon enough. I am helping you in all the ways. Trust me and the new day I bring forth. Hmm. Be well.